Yeah. So I think it's just trying to like manage the expectation and goal. Under- <laughs> That's the theme of this whole That's podcast. Is we are we are the wet blanket to your to your, <laughs> to your inclusive dreams. <laughs> Welcome back to the Chemist Confessions Podcast. I'm Gloria. I'm Victoria. This is a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk about on the daily. Mm-hmm. And today we have a very intense episode. <laughs> oh, it is getting cooler. And um, to continue. Cooler. Yes. Cooler. Uh, hashtag SoCal cooler. <laughs> um, but we figured it's a good time to get into the occlusives and continue the conversation mm. we started last week. So today's all about the science of occlusives. All that balmy goodness. Yep. All right. But before all that, let's get into a couple nice words. All right. First nice word is about our double play. This is our face and eye retinol treatment. The title is Great Product. This person writes, I have been using Chemist Confessions retinol double play since October 2022 and have only this August started a new tube. Great longevity of product. I apply one or two pumps each evening to my face and neck and haven't noticed a marked and sorry, and have noticed, <laughs> wow, keyword, and have noticed a marked improvement in my skin. My marionette lines are plumped and less noticeable. Age-related hyperpigmentation is lessened. I have not experienced any sensitivity or redness with this regular usage. I especially like the efficient packaging, enabling the user to extract the full tube worth of product without wastage. So much fancy packaging prevents efficient extraction of the product, resulting in expensive wastage. Yes. Yeah, awesome. When she wrote marionette lines, I'm like, wow, that's she knows. Yeah, it's I powerful. feel like that's a term that's not not mm-hmm. not regularly used in people's vocabulary. So yeah, thank you so much. And yes, continue usage of um, these type of intensive actives will get you that long term result. And I just I did want to mention that. I know sometimes we get some feedback on double play that mm-hmm. says, oh, it's a little early to know. Yeah. So for all of you out there who's tried or considered trying double play. Definitely like keep up with it for longer term. Uh, the clinical we ran lasted for a full 12 weeks yeah. to see the results. And if you've left us a review on Double Play and still early in journey, really appreciate it if you give us an update on it. Yeah, let us know. All right. The next two products we are, I guess the next two nice words are about our Bon Voyage <gasps> because it is coming back in stock this week. It Any is. day now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to just do a little highlight. Yep. The title is Pricey for Size, but Excellent. And the review goes, I was surprised by how small the tube mm-hmm. is, but I think it will last a good while. I'm most impressed by the feel. The way it melts and spreads is so lovely. My eyes are so dry. I use this over my night cream to lock it in. Also on my cheeks, lips, hands, and feet. It's wonderful. I'm glad it's fragrance-free as well. One star off with the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this lady gave us four stars, but I did really want to share this because I think sometimes that is a surprise for yeah. people. And we understand too. But we also have to tell you how expensive this formula is to make. Um, because we proudly and really wanted to make sure there was enough ceramides to help, mm-hmm. um, especially for the purpose of this product, which was to really tackle those like uh, dry patches. Mm-hmm. And just when your skin's in a pinch, like this is that product. So that's why I felt like I, we have to talk about this review. Yeah, I, for sure. We understand. <laughs> but it is expected to last a long time. Yes, it a is little a little bit. A long way, yep, for yep. Sure. Even for me, I have really dry skin. So um, I like that the Bon Voyage texture we formulated specifically so you can spread a very thin layer. So it's very effective, but you're still not, you don't need that really stuffy Vaseline you're clonking your face on with like clonking your face. Yeah. 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 You know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 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 Exactly. All right. And the last one um, is about Bon Voyage. The title is Saves My Skin. This person writes, this balm has helped my skin so much. I use it frequently in the winter at night when I'm feeling extra dry for a hydration boost. I also use it in the summer on days where I spent a lot of time in the sun. Even with sunscreen reapplication, I can sometimes still have sun sensitivity. But if I use this balm at night, I can lessen and sometimes avoid those irritation breakouts. I thought that was really interesting. I've also used it to successfully calm a sunburn. Always have this balm as an option in my routine. Uh, And that's the other aspect to Balm Voyage and to our entire moisturizer line is we really feel like um, the missing piece in a lot of moisturizer is that soothing ingredient. Totally. 
And soothers in general, I think, is a loosely abused category because a lot of it do come from loosely plants. strong loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there are a lot of great attractions in this category, but what that means is a lot of products just kind of like drizzle it in there. And the bon voyage, the soother of choice is Boswellia serrata at two point five percent, so it's very potent. And it doesn't help the price of bon voyage, but <laughs> it helps soothe your skin. <laughs> We're so good at business. <laughs> Yes, but we are very proud of that, and we also just want to give a shout out and a thank you to all of those that do leave us their reviews.、Mm-hmm. Um, we recommend you guys to definitely check them out, browse them. A lot of them leave their skin type and their routines, which is also very helpful to you know for others to find you know their experiences and find similar experiences to their skin type. So yeah, and we do not pay for any of them. For podcast listeners, please use the code PodcastShip to get free shipping on any order. And if you want to try out Bon Voyage, it is coming back in stock any day now. Please go to the product page and sign up for a waitlist, and you'll be the first to know. Yep. All right. Now it's time to get into the meat. Ooh, it's meat part one. It's a dense meat. Woo. Oh god. All right,、okay. wake me up when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So、mm. in meat part one, we're gonna talk about occlusives.、Mm. We're gonna try to explain what occlusives do to skin.、Mm-hmm. And we're gonna try to paint you a picture of all the tests that have been done around occlusives, specifically around petrolatum. Yep. All right. So first things first, we should explain what is an occlusive, Gloria. Uh, occlusives is actually a pretty straightforward concept, and it came from the medical field. It's a really good physical barrier. So think about gloves, wound dressings, things that are supposed to、mm-hmm. uh, shield either you from the elements or say your physician from your dirty blood. <laughs> Well, I don't know what the physician did. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's how this term generally originated.、Mm-hmm. But we are going to focus on occlusives in skincare,、mm-hmm. and what that means are these are occlusive ingredients. Typically, these are the butters and waxes and petrolatum that you often hear about.、Mm-hmm. They are, don't necessarily penetrate the surface of skin very well. And intends seal in the moisture within your stratum corneum because that water evaporation is what leads to dry skin. And it can be these ingredients can be very effective and very helpful.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as Gloria said many times before, this is one of a few moisturizing categories that contribute to your overall、um, skin hydration and skin barrier health. So、um, we should review the concept of tool really、mm-hmm. quickly. Tool stands for transepidermal water loss. Like Victoria mentioned, occlusives is basically ingredients that sit on your skin and prevent this water loss from getting too crazy.、Mm-hmm. Uh, we should mention that tool is normal. This process just happens because you're, you're the water in your skin exists on gradient.、Yeah. You are always、um, evaporating water from your skin. The goal is not to take it down to zero. The、yeah. goal is to not let it get too high. Exactly. Enter occlusives. Yes.、Um, the idea is that these occlusives, the the goal is to almost instantly but very、yeah. quickly reduce tool.、Mm-hmm. But this mechanism is not necessarily most well understood phenomenon, which is crazy because you think that the concept is very, very simple straightforward. and straightforward. When we started doing all the research and going down this rabbit hole, we realized that、um, there's actually there's a lot,、mm-hmm. and we actually had to cut out a big chunk of it because there's actually a lot of studies that look at physical occlusion、mm-hmm. and how that affects skin. Skin. So think about your wound dressings. Um, think about、um, physical barriers to protect skin. They even looked at things like gloves, wearing、mm. gloves for too long. How does that affect skin? So we had to cut all those out. And basically, we're going to share with you a paper that was done in 1992.、Mm-hmm. And this we feel like represents the occlusion mechanism the best. This is actually done by one of the OG, we would say, pioneers of the moisturizer research space. This is by Marie Loden. And basically, they wanted to understand what would be the impact of applying moisturizer or petrolatum on skin. It's just what what happens when you do that. Yeah. So we find the study to be a little bit interesting. It's very unique in the way it's set up. So try to like hang in there with us. Yeah. So they actually ran the study two different ways. Um,、uh, one is so the, they have two different creams. One with a higher lipid count. One with a lower lipid count. And then one、uh, cell uses straight petrolatum. And in the first test, they applied the three creams into different patches on the forearm、mm-hmm. and removed it after just five minutes. And they measured tool or、uh, the transepidermal water loss for basically every couple minutes for the for twenty minutes. And the second study actually look at it, look at the same three products. They apply on skin, leave it on for forty minutes, 
and then did the same thing, remove the cream, and then measure tool and how it changes through for the next 20 minutes. And it might not be what you expect. Yeah. So we'll show the results of the study, the scenario one, where they apply it just for five minutes. And you'll see that what happened is suddenly you see a very uh, huge increase mm -hmm. in tool, that evaporation, that water loss for these creams. Honestly, you, there's not really a lot to take away here because they're attributing this to actually the moisture that's within cream. Mm -hmm. um, that can contribute to the increase in tool. And maybe the uh, this is the release of of the water that was absorbed within skin. This is where more data is needed mm -hmm. to really prove that aspect of absorption. But this is just within the five minute time frame of application. Yeah, and they draw that takeaway because the petrolatum group you'll see it didn't affect the base yeah. um tool at all, and yeah. because petrolatum doesn't have any water content, that's why they drew the conclusion that oh, because the um the creams have that water content. They deposited a, a ton of water to your skin and with immediate removal, we detect that. I'm going to just add one more thing here is that for the petrolatum mm -hmm. part, we would say that if you see how tool is essentially flat, that petrolatum doesn't actually do much in the five minute application. You could see that it's like basically your tool level has essentially stayed the same. And the reason why we, um, we would interpret this this way is because if you look at from zero to the 20 minute mark, there's no change. So we would say like uh, the, the, a loose interpretation is that leaving petrolatum on your skin for five minutes is kind of like a meh and it's nothing really happens. Yeah, but I also hope no one's just wiping it off after five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Like who's doing that? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of the other kind of final uh, point on the five minute study. Yeah. What's okay, interesting cool. is scenario two is yes. applying it, leaving it on skin for 40 minutes, then wiping it off. We acknowledge that most people actually leave it on all day. No one's wiping off these are yeah. leave on products. But you can see a very stark difference and almost a reverse of the graph. On the petrolatum, the immediate tool is really, really high. And over 20 minutes, eventually um, we turn to baseline. And the creams doesn't have that increase in tool initially, but after 20 minutes also return to base level. Whereas the two creams, there is that increase in tool still, but just nowhere near the level of petrolatum mm -hmm. and also return slowly to baseline after 20 minutes. This to us is like super fascinating interpretation. The study kind of attribute that to, okay, the petrolatum across these 40 minutes is really good at sealing in moisture. And remember, we mentioned that tool is a natural phenomenon. Your skin is constantly trying to evaporate water. So petrolatum is trapping the water, the moisture in skin in these yeah. 40 minutes. So there's a buildup of water that otherwise would have evaporated, but it's been kept in your skin. So when you cling off the petrolatum, that seal basically has been broken and you immediately see that water, um, the, the water buildup released and measured as tool. Exactly. That like excess spike in tool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the creams have a lot less buildup because during that time, it isn't as occlusive as petrolatum. Yeah. So there's still some tool um, to a lesser extent and therefore less water buildup during this time. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the cool thing is then you see skin kind of slowly get back to its basal or just its normal tool level. Um, so we, we find this just generally fascinating in mm -hmm. how, you know, it kind of shows like the mechanism of occlusives and what Gloria was describing and like that buildup of water um, that has actually been studied multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so I do want to read an excerpt from a, re a review paper on occlusives that talks about this general occlusive phenomenon. The paper writes, healthy strum corneum typically has a water content of about 10 to 20 percent. Um, occlusion can block diffusional water loss from the skin surface, increasing stratum corneum hydration, swelling the corneocytes, and promoting water uptake into intercellular lipid domain. So just think fatty, juicy, just almost like a sponge of a water, you know, like a hydrated sponge. So water content can be increased up to 50% with occlusion. Even short time, like 30 minute exposure, can result in significantly increased stratum corneum hydration. With 24-hour occlusion, the relative water content in stratum corneum can be increased significantly from 53% without occlusion to 59%. So hopefully this paints a picture of what occlusion can do, because I do feel like everyone has a very basic knowledge of like, great, mm -hmm. I've sealed it in, I've protected my skin, I'm like good to go. But mm -hmm. you don't realize like the actual true impact of that and kind of that water intake for skin, how helpful that can be, especially for compromised skin or very dry skin. Yeah. yeah. Another interesting takeaway here is that skin does, the tool level does return to baseline yeah. in 20 minutes. Yeah. So what it does, uh, it really is that mechanical instant action of yeah. applying it topically. 
this doesn't look into how it may or may not affect your skin barrier in the long run. Mm -hmm. So True. just, yeah, that's what it is. That's yep. what occlusion does. Yeah. Also, this is uh, going off tangent a little bit, but I did have to share while we were doing research, um, we stumbled on a lot of like saran wrap studies, <laughs> which was quite fun. Basically, they were like saran wrap people's arms for multiple days oh just to God. see what would happen. And just for funsies, I did want to share like a little bit of a snippet of the results. So after physically occluding skin with saran wrap, they found that your microbiome can shift temporarily. Wow. And just Basically, your flora changes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And obviously, your skin moisture does increase, um, but they found that it only increased in the first 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, after that, it didn't really do much after that. So it, it does make sense. Oh, it does level out. I mean, it does make sense. I feel like it gets to a point where the gradient is basically done. There's yeah, no gradient exactly. and there's no more water to come out. Exactly. And then the final thing, which I thought was very odd, was apparently they found a skin pH increase to about 7. So drama yeah so uh <laughs> if you've ever thought about what would happen if you saran wrap your skin for too long that's what happens i don't think you have to do that <laughs> yeah i don't think our listeners are at risk of accidentally walking around with saran wrap you never know man. on their face TikTok for three to crazy five days. days oh my you're right actually you're right someone just might try that hey guys i found the perfect way to steal my moisture at night just cut two holes and saran wrap you will never believe it this is cheaper than any mask on the market wow i can see it yep yep yeah see, you, you basically wrote the script for them if that goes viral with someone else doing it i score <laughs> is gonna She's going to take a hiatus. Uh, <laughs> All right. So hopefully you paint a picture of what occlusives can do. Mm -hmm. uh, we should move on to petrolatum. Why is petrolatum the gold standard? I like how I'm taking this time just to take a long <laughs> sip of my tea. That, yeah, yeah, we are moving on to petrolatum, but let me take a sip. Uh, but yes, yes petrolatum. Been around forever. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And we, and the thing is, it's kind of interesting. Victoria, when she was doing research, we were able to find a lot of general studies on yeah. occlusion, what it does for skin. And these are really fun, but there are very, very few hard data on like how occlusive some of these ingredients are. Yeah. We get a lot of questions that's like, oh, is, is squalling as occlusive as mineral oil? Is this and that? And all uh... we can say is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We don't always have the answers. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, there's simply not a lot of data on it. Yeah. Uh, we did find a couple of studies we find to paint a better picture. So we're going to dive into one of them. This one looks at petrolatum, mm -hmm. paraffin oil, jojoba oil, and sweet almond oil. My favorite oil. Um, <laughs> Cora's favorite. Seriously favorite. <laughs> um, this one looks at a very interesting metric. Uh, if you see on the left of the, uh, if you look at the white axis, it actually measures, instead of tool, it measures stratum corneum swelling. So as a percent increase from baseline, like Victoria mentioned from the study earlier, when that water builds up in your stratum corneum, your cells are like slurping up water and it creates this like fattening effect. with double C. Yeah, thick <laughs> with uh, on the juicy level now, I'm gonna, my dead cell is building up so much level. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good, that's a good uh, description. Yeah. yeah, so they actually used a in vivo ramen, uh, ramen spectroscopy to measure the stratum corneum thickness. We want to say that this study is very unique and that this method isn't super common. So because it's not a tool study, so we should just measure, um, mention that. So it's not like an apples to apples comparison. And typically how that's measured is the, the spectroscopy actually uses a laser mm -hmm. and it's able to basically um, identify certain molecules based mm -hmm. on its bonds. And through that, you're able to do a bunch of very fancy calculations very fancy. to give you a water concentration profile. And inevitably through that, calculate the thickness. So, but it's a very cool tool. It's just not very commonly used in our realm. Yeah. And I think it's because of the cost. Yes. <laughs> 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 All right. So the, in this study, like Gloria mentioned, they wanted to look at petrolatum in comparison to these three oils. Um, this is after 30 minutes of post-treatment. Um, they looked at skin and found that petrolatum was significantly, I guess, fattier, mm -hmm. more swollen than the um, sites that use these other oils. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a one, I guess, one comparison of petrolatum to some of these other ingredients. I'm sure some of you are wondering, well, these are emollients, right? They're oils. And they're like, yeah, true. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of studies that are going to be like looking hardcore at petrolatum dimethicone shea. Yeah. But it is it does give us a sense of how much more occluding um, petrolatum can be. 
And then I did want to also mention that you might also say, well, does that mean that some of these oils do have some occlusive property? And you're like, Yes, <laughs> with an asterisk, <laughs> like yes, TM the chemist. Yes, yes, but <laughs> yes. And the thing is, Gloria and I, we we've thought about this a lot, and ultimately, we feel that it is very difficult to figure out which oils are truly occlusive and are not. Because there's no data. <laughs> there's very few data, and we're not doing that study ourselves. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> so. Um, that's why we generally like to point people to the kind of more the typical butters and waxes instead. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, things like mineral oil, they do have occlusive properties. But to kind of showcase if there are other oils out there and their comparison to petrolatum, we did find another paper that actually wanted to see if they could actually find an oil that was comparable to petrolatum. And we we do give them credit for trying to do that. Yep. Yeah. And this brings us back to tool. We're back to this again. This yeah. paper looked at, it's another forearm study that looked at, that measured um, tool measurements. Mm. It's done on the forearm with 80 volunteers split into four different cells. Mm. And uh, what they did this time, and this is where you can feel the pain of us doing the research because every paper, the study is just a little bit different. <laughs> this one looked at, um, they applied they apply the products, didn't take it off. They just kind of measures tool um, as the product wears throughout the day. And they measured it at 15 minutes, two hours, and then six hours to see how much tool has decreased from the baseline. Mm -hmm. And we'll put up the chart here. Mm -hmm. First of all, I should point out that the chart is a little wonky. It's not absolute measurement of tool. It's expressed as a reduction of tool after emollient application as a percent decrease from baseline. And you'll see that immediately after 15 minutes, petrolatum is the highest at 16.5 degrees from the baseline. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the oils didn't do that bad. Um, sunflower oil clocks in at 13.5, uh, 0.3, sorry. Um, pecan, which is not a very common ingredient in skincare, no, actually. Because we all. had to Google what's Caria Illinoisensis, a seed oil. Illinoisensis. Illinoisensis. It's pecans. <laughs> do people say pecans or pecan? I say pecan. I think I could But there is pecan. definitely a group that says pecan. I digress. Maybe it's an Atlanta thing. Pecan. No, it's definitely a southern thing. Yeah. Pecan pie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Pecan oil <laughs> uh, clocks in fourteen point two percent. Which, when we're talking about small studies, it's almost it's, it's in that kind of too close to call area already. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down to what is Ricinus communis? That is uh, castor seed. Ah, castor seed oil. My bad. Castor seed oil drops down dramatically to ten point one percent. Sweet almond also in that ten realm, and canola oil also around that at nine point four. Oof. So. What's interesting is how it wears over time. As you can expect at the two-hour mark, well, I don't know if you expect it, but at the two-hour mark, we see that the wear stays pretty well. Most of these cells stay kind of on par at the 15-minute measure, measurement. So petrolatum dropped a little bit from 16.5 to 14.8. And sunflower seed oil actually increased from 13.3 to 15.5. Now it's really on par with petrolatum. And a pecan went all the way up to 16.2. We also see this increase in protection level protection or like increase this is what my problem with this chart is i have to say words like it increased the amount of tool it decreased <laughs> so <laughs> amount of improvement in tool castor oil also increased a little bit whereas sweet almond and canola also continued the de uh, decreased trajectory i did want to mention that um i think the the, the general conclusion from this paper is that petrolatum it, it it's still the gold standard in terms of being able to like almost immediately reduce mm -hmm. tool. Yep. However, these emollients, these occlusive emollients, I guess, mm -hmm. they can work slightly different where they it's the delayed reaction, a possible delayed reaction of increasing or I guess like of that occlusion behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think the other takeaway is the, the reason why I want to share this with you guys is to show that not all of these emollients do the same thing. They're all very different. Yeah, so you can see that some, well, sunflower and uh, pecan, they can be very helpful. Some of these other ones, maybe not so efficient. So that's why we, you know, it's just kind of a cool comparison to show you that the emollient category is wild and also kind of almost like, in a way, supporting some of the other petrolatum data of just its behavior within like 15 minutes. Yeah. Yep. And with natural wear and tear at the six hour mark, most of them have decreased. 
yeah. pretty dramatically. And we can expect that it's it's been close to a full day of wear and tear. Yeah. But the effect still lingers. Your tool is still being lessened. It's still there's still an effect. Yeah. Um but yeah, like Victoria said, this kind of highlights why we don't like talking about <laughs> Like compare, like hard comparisons. Yeah. yeah. Is this oil more occlusive than the yeah. other? I don't know. This is one paper we're able to find on some common, some not so common oil in skincare. And more often than not, especially because there's so many oils to choose from skincare, yeah. there's no data whatsoever. Yep. The totally. lipid profile will matter a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you if you look at lipid profile of these oils and you draw conclusions from it, that's also very dangerous. I'm because like, ah, all I don't different. want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So the takeaway is, yeah, oils help. To what degree? <laughs> we don't know. Depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but ultimately, um, petrolatum, the reason why, you know, it gets that spotlight is because it has the most data. Yes. It's been around the longest. Okay. So the understanding around it, for the most part, has generally been pretty well tested. Yeah. We just went over three papers that all demonstrated petrolatum's effectiveness yeah. as an inclusive, whereas there's one paper a piece on like maybe sweet almond oil doesn't work very well. <laughs> no, not at all. So we've given petrolatum the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So we should definitely talk about why petrolatum is so controversial. Not really wake me up when we're done with this part. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. I guess everyone should strap in. Yes. A bit of a story. Yes. Tell us, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> petrolatum is controversial ultimately because of where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Because it's a petroleum byproduct. So everyone's freaking out because it sounds so toxic. Now, in cosmetics, we use USP-grade petrolatum. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that more. But the key thing to remember here is that petrolatum, because it's been around for so long, it's been around since like 1872, it's given a CAS number. And Mm -hmm. this is an identification or a registration number. And it's used for every chemical in scientific literature. Um, And this CAS number is given to Every single type of petrolatum. I just found that out and I think it's bonkers. Yeah. You're talking about petrolatum that's used in the motor industry to petrolatum that's used as a food additive. So this is where and is why there's so much confusion and why people seem to just gravitate toward is it being very toxic because there's a lot of labeling and there's a lot of lists that come out that because they all use the same cast number. It just makes you feel like it's very not safe. Yeah, yeah. and this is part of um, the reason why sometimes you'll hear really scary fear-mongering pieces talk yeah. about how like petrolatum causes cancer. Yeah. It's the same as motor oil. It's absolutely not, but when you look at the cast number, it says it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the scares that comes from petrolatum is you know something called a PNA. Um, this is a polycyclic aromatic compound or you might also hear some papers refer or some articles out there refer to this as PAH, polycyclic arom- aromatic hydrocarbons. Sure. And is basically the main cancer causing concern. Mm-hmm. And it's because of this that the FDA had to pass a purity test. Mm-hmm. And we'll say this now is that now the petrolatum that we use in the industry is an ultra refined material. It goes through a very complicated process well is it called that's nah, super it's very effective process yeah, it's basically very it's a hydrogenation process that involves a lot of heat and pressure to separate all of those unwanted purities um this is a standard process that is required in order to get that usp grade now this usp grade there's different categories we won't get into too much of the details but i think probably the only thing i do want to mention here is that for the fda and the us there is there's essentially two types, white petrolatum USP and petrolatum USP. The only difference here is generally the color. Mm-hmm. But in the EU, the European Pharmacopoeia, they label it slightly different where it's white petrolatum USP and yellow soft paraffin. So I just want like, I, I think sometimes people get wrapped up in like paraffin versus petrolatum Ooh. versus mineral oil. So we do want to just like kind of paint you that picture yep. and how even in regulatory bodies it can be labeled slightly different mm-hmm. all right so knowing all that knowing that thank god whew, there's a standard there's a grade that has to pass we'll talk about some of the recent concerns that have had to be addressed regarding petrolatum so the first thing is somehow they found out they did a bunch of animal testing 
they found that there is a very small portion of this hydrocarbon that's being absorbed mm -hmm. in a very particular strain of rat, the Fisher 344. I didn't even know that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of these toxicology studies, how they get these profiles is by, by doing ingestion mm -hmm. uh, models. And so they look at how they're, uh, I guess, doing these sorts of tests is looking at the accumulation in the liver mm -hmm. and your lymph nodes. And so they found that in the Fisher rat, they did find some accumulation, but they found that they didn't find this in any other type of animal model. And they found that in all the other animals, they were able to clear the oil from their systems over time. And it was eventually like eliminated, like they had eliminated it from their diet and mm -hmm. it had passed. So the FDA looked at this and they basically said, yeah, we're not going to change anything. Um, Looks good to us. Yeah, we're, we're good here. And then the European regulators um, decided they would have a more limited um, concentration mm -hmm. um, in food uh, for these mineral oils and waxes. So that was the general reaction after that. The highlight from all the study is these, these are all done with an abundance of precautions. These are very like high level studies. And again, this, the pathway is injection. It's not topical. Mm -hmm. And even through all of that, these USP grade petrol atoms has now been linked or implicating any way as a carcinogen. So this should tell you how safe these ingredients really are. On top of that, it's been looked at by the World Health Organization, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, mm -hmm. also by the EU Scientific Committee on Food. And I think the main takeaway here regarding that aspect um, is that after years of, this is a quote straight from this article, after years of animal feeding studies, there is no evidence that these materials have been implicated as carcinogens. You don't hear so, that a lot. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that gets like put out there enough. Can of warm. <laughs> a lot of controversial ingredients, they get called controversial because the, the verbiage has to be more lukewarm, yeah. right? Like sunscreens. Sorry. Like, uh, <laughs> there hasn't been anything that showed that it may or may not cause cancer. Yeah. But this is like, there's a ton of data and there's no data on it being carcinogen. It's a, it's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah. And then finally, the other, I would say, piece slash ammo that's used to blacklist petrol atom is because it's listed under the Dangerous Substance Directive for the EU. You get, this gets quoted a lot in yeah. those like more fear-mongering pieces. I'll talk about why you shouldn't use petrol atom in your skincare. It's dangerous because of blah, this. Yeah. And so what this um, Dangerous Substance Directive is, is basically a bunch of lists. Mm. And the list we care about is the CMR which is a consolidated list of substances that are considered carcinogens, mutagens, or toxic to reproduction. Um, on this list, you will find under a category two carcinogen, seven entries for petrol atom. <gasps> One of them is for oxidized petrol atom. Mm -hmm. Five of these describe various processing schemes for making petrol atom, and one of them is a description and CAS number. Do you remember that CAS CAS number that Isn't I mentioned at the beginning? that is listed as well. And this is where all of that confusion comes in because in, on this list, none of these descriptions actually define the purity, the general PNA content, any sort of spec. It's super general. So you're talking about, like I said, any petroleum that's used from the motor industry to food. And that's mm -hmm. why it's used as ammo for people because they feel like it's a carcinogen. It, the EU has listed it as a carcinogen, a category two carcinogen. So sadly enough, it's because of that dumb number. That's that it. Stupid cast number. Yes. But we can tell you that the USP grading, the FDA's required testing for petrolatum, all of that would put that, would basically, all of these, all of, of the FDA's regulations on this would basically make this not a concern. And mm -hmm. there are a couple asterisks on the list that basically do talk about how like, oh, if it goes through this processing, then it's then we are good. Then it's like not really shouldn't like that is kind of an outlier. Mm -hmm. And so it would fall out of that carcinogen label. And that's kind of the asterisk to this petrol atom being on this list. So I guess the the point of us talking to you about this and sharing this is to say that yes, we know it's on the list. It's needs an update basically yeah. petrol atom there's so many grades even with cosmetics we could tell you that you can manipulate the ratios of some of these hydrocarbons and the mineral oil and you can get very different textures mm -hmm. different melting points exactly the the feel finish mm -hmm. um it's a really refined process and there are fda measures in place to make sure that what we use in skin and in food 
is the right grade. Yep. And that's it. There's no real reason to worry outside of that. Yep. So all this to say is someone, for the love of God, just (laughs) update the numbers. But we can move on from all of this. So, yeah. I think if, yeah, I think the idea is that if you, hopefully when you read another article that'll come out about how toxic petrol atom is, you won't have to worry. Yep. It is generally, it's a very established ingredient yeah. and it is a byproduct of the petroleum industry, but the processing is very, very simple and very, very effective. And yeah, that's it. That's all we have to say about this. I think another thing we always like try, we like to remind people is it's ingredients like these that make us feel safe. Like yeah. it's the ones that don't have any testing or the regulatory, or yeah, or mm-hmm. regulatory is not looking at, or it's not on their radar. That you're like, huh, okay, there's definitely a lot of questions to be asked. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that was really dense. I hope this was fun (laughs) for you guys because this is very fun for us. The takeaway is occlusives bueno. (laughs) (laughs) And petrolatum bueno. (laughs) But we have to break it up now. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, it's time to break, break, break break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up. Woo! It's Animal Fun Fact Corner. All right, today we've been talking about animal menaces. So I had to talk about a local menace. This is called the Nutria. Hmm. Uh, the name is like, I don't know Sound, who named this. Sounds like a collagen supplement. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also called the Koi Poo. Also weird. No longer like a collagen <laughs> supplement, but weird. Yeah. So the Nutria resembles a very large rat slash beaver hybrid. Mm-hmm. It's got a small and long tail and... Or uh, sorry, small, long, and skinny, hairless tail. That's why mm. it kind of looks like a rat. It is also called a swamp rat. You'll hear that too. Sounds attractive already. <laughs> the adults are typically about, they can vary anywhere between nine and 20 pounds. Now the small um, rat. <laughs> not that small, 16 to 24 inches in body length. Medium um, sized rat, small dog sized rat. Yeah. And what's kind of um, a uh, strong characteristic of a swamp rat is their teeth are very orange. Let me just, I'm going to Google it for Gloria so she knows what we're looking at. Ah! Ah, what? It's like first picture, orange fuck teeth. (laughs) Yeah. So the the thing about this rat is that it's very good at reproducing. Mm. So one female, their gestation lasts about 130 days, which is quite short. They can give birth to as few as one or as many as 13 in a That's quite a range. Yep. And on average, they can have about four, and they'll usually mate within two days after their offspring is born. That's oh. like how efficient they are. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, so in one year, they could have, you know, about two litters. And anyways, that's kind of the fun, f- I guess, fun fact about them. The reason why I want to share them is because they've actually been a menace in California. Oh. Who knew? I had no clue. <laughs> And basically, um, what I didn't even know about California is that they have wetlands. Um, you, you, you forget that when you're in Southern California. <laughs> it is very much so not true. wet. <laughs> it's so true. And so it's actually been a battle for a few years mm-hmm. um, where because their populations have grown so much, of course. they are destroying all of the wetland habitats in California. And recently, they have passed like 10 million dollar they rewarded like 10 million dollars to go and try to eradicate this population um so i just i didn't know this let me just pull up rodent when you when you combine the word rodent and outbreak or infestation you just know it's like one of those things that you see so when you if you live in new york and you see one rat you're like oh man i think it's a family it's a family of 20 over there (laughs) yeah so basically didn't realize there are wetlands Mm. But these guys are, um, they basically can destroy up to 25% of our wetland habitat because of the mass sheer amount of population growth. Oh, boy. And this has been a problem since like 20, roughly 2019. It's actually been a problem previously as well, where they thought they had eradicated it and then realized they find more of these guys. Of course. And it's not the most fun to eradicate because you got to like go into the marshes and set traps. Oh. And your traps aren't always catching these guys. And so, yeah. Anyways, I found this generally fascinating and tragic, I guess. But the good news is that apparently the population is declining. Yay. (laughs) So it is working. It's just taking some time. 
Yeah. So I think one of the stats here that I thought was fascinating was like the nutria can grow more than 20 pounds. It's mm. a really big rat. Yeah. If you think about in dog size, it's like a Maltese. Bigger it's than a Maltese. Not a, yeah, not a small dog. <laughs> and they can eat up to 25% of their body weight each day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> my, so, yeah. My cat in his peak is like 15 pounds. <laughs> This thing can probably eat my cat. Yep. 15 pounds is not a small cat. No, not at all. You're right. It's bigger than average domestic cats. And one of the things they actually had to do, which I feel like has been a pain point when we talk about some of these animals, is the ca- California did have to reverse their no hunting policy on these guys. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, thank God. So I have to ask, is it gratifying for hunters to get giant rats? Rat? Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, great. I got a swamp rat. It just feels like if there's a hunting video game and you're I shooting know. ducks. And then you get a swamp rat, you probably get like a thumbs down. <laughs> you want a duck, but you got a rat. 50 cents for the swamp yeah, rat. all right. Yeah. So anyways, that's the nutria. Yay, swamp rats. Swamp rats on the decline. Woohoo. Woo. Save the wetlands. Woo. California could use more wetlands that's for true. sure. <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on. I'm going to wrap this up with meat part two. Food. No more all dense right. studies. Let's yeah. just get to the shopping aisles. Yeah. All right, so we decided that when we looked at the landscape, there are three tiers of occlusives. We are so good at breaking things up into tiers nowadays. <laughs> Look forward to a chart. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, and I think we can thank the trend slugging being yeah. so hyped up in the past like couple of years. Because mm. I think um, other than basically like really boring, sorry, like Aquaphor or Vaseline, <laughs> You know, really boring. <laughs> you don't have a lot of like balmy or like or textures that mm-hmm. actually say it is thicker and heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, but since slugging is such a thing, we're starting to see this this realm get a lot wider. And mm-hmm. when it gets wider, it gets a little crazy. <laughs> so category one, we're gonna call this occlusive light. Yeah. We find that this category is just a lot of the oils. Mm. If you remember in me part one, you know. And this is probably the most mysterious category for us. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we call this light is because as chemists, mm-hmm. we're a bit of wizard. We can figure out ways to really thicken oils, mm-hmm. jellify oils, basically create the illusion of really good occlusion. And so that's why it's really difficult to know how effective some of these occlusive light products can be. And... So there's, you know, we're actually not going to be able to speak too much to, you know, how occlusive these products are, but we can give you a sense of what kind of products fall into this category. Yep. So um, the first one is Cocoa Kinds. Uh, I believe it's their Ceramide Recovery Balm. In the ingredient list, you will find safflower seed oil, shea butter, squalling, grapeseed oil, castor seed oil, sunflower seed wax. So generally this like very much plant yep. combo. Yep. Uh, it is. It, there's a good amount of oil and butter to give you that like creamy, like more mm-hmm. balmy texture. This does come in a tube, so it's a more squeezable version of this. But there's still a good amount of oil, so that's why it's like okay, it's a much lighter blend um, of these waxes. One really annoying side comment that Gloria's gonna hate that I said this is that shea butter. It can be anything from a very light liquid. To- I'm making my best swamp <laughs> impression right now. <laughs> <laughs> to a very thick butter so also a very difficult category for us it's the same as dimethicone it is yeah because there are some dimethicones that are pretty good occlusive mm-hmm. so yeah anyway so it's kind of annoying fact yeah fun fact if you're a chemist you'll know you will learn you'll see all the different versions of the same thing <laughs> um anyway uh i'm next actually i really like this this example is future future vice future wise future, future vice, vice. <laughs> <laughs> German on. Uh, um, future Weiss is a slug bomb. Um, the ingredient list is very short and very simple. It reach hydrogenated vegetable oil, hexodecanol, visible oil, oh man, acetyl <laughs> hydroxyproline, palmitamide, and rapeseed sterols, citric acid, steric acid. Pretty short uh, ingredient list. Yeah. What's interesting here is like there isn't anything that is super duper waxy. Um, the vegetable oil, again, is another one of those things. Hydrogenated vegetable oil is like a slightly thicker oil, but still a vegetable oil. Um, and in one of the studies, I think they looked at it and obviously they're, again, different types, but mm. 
not the most effective occlusive. Yeah, and and um, visible as a third ingredient mm-hmm. is a telltale sign that it's by far the most concentrated in the hydrogenated vegetable oil mm-hmm. with a little bit of hexadecanol, which is also an oil. It's a pretty fatty alcohol. And yeah, and that's it. That's that's actually it. Yeah. So we would say this is one that we're we would say occlusive light. Light, light, light plus. to the light square. Inclusive <laughs> <laughs> light square. <laughs> yeah, so this is one that could be, you know, very different expectation than even the cocoa kind one. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's ingredient, it's, I guess it's products like these where, you know, you see oil as probably one of the major components mm-hmm. um, that we would say maybe, I, I, don't, I don't even know how we would. I don't know. Like, do we want to recommend this for a certain skin type? Well, yeah. I think the occlusive is one of those categories where you might have to just listen to your skin mm, a little bit. That's a good point. Um, because they do vary so far and wide in between. Yeah. I will say if you're someone that's and, and generally speaking, I would offer the more occlusive ones. Yeah. Not necessarily because the lighter ones won't do something for you, but at the same time, it's kind of like okay, I kind of think of these as really like rescue in yeah. a pinch products. Yeah. Um, if this is kind of a lukewarm occlusive side. It might not be that much more occlusive than your standard moisturizer. So, so then what purpose does it serve? Yeah. So I think it's just trying to like manage the expectation and goal. <laughs> That's your... the theme of this whole That's podcast. It's we are we are the wet blanket to your, to your, <laughs> to your occlusive dreams. <laughs> it's not that occlusive. <laughs> <laughs> Tamper your expectations. Yeah, but anyways, this category exists. That's it. We're moving on. <laughs> category two. All right. These we would consider true occlusive blends. And when we say that, these are truly just your Vaseline blends. Yes. So, like Gloria pointed out, Aquaphor was the one we decoded last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, CeraVe is it's another awesome. one that I think has about 40, roughly 40%. 46.5. There you go. 46.5%. That's blended with mineral oil, paraffin, ozocaride, dimethicone. Definitely stuff that's meant to lighten and give probably a cleaner finish Mm -hmm. along with their classic ceramide blend. Mm -hmm. And then... Well, we have to talk about it. We also have our Bomb Voyage as well. Which is back in stock. Anything (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also a blend um, that includes ceramides. Um, We would say this is probably a great starting point, actually, for anyone that wants to dabble in this category mm-hmm. um just because you are getting a pretty clear amount of occlusion occlusives and then yeah and then go from there yep so this is this is i think the category that should be the most popular mm-hmm. i would think because it yeah. gives you great occlusion but still gives you a range of textures to choose from yes. and that you can find one that works yes. for your skin That's a good point yeah so we recommend starting here mm-hmm. and then finally we have Vaseline. Yeah. Just good old Vaseline, pure petrolatum. This is the category we would point people to for compromised skin barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're dealing with things like eczema, um, you've got babies. I guarantee you a lot of times when all else fails, you are appointed to just pure Vaseline because it is pure. So you know exactly what you're putting on skin and how skin's reacting to it. Yep. And f- like we've pointed out in me part one, tons of studies that are actually testing this is very safe (laughs) (laughs) yep this is actually about as vanilla as it goes like victoria mentioned if you're really struggling Mm -hmm. and category two doesn't quite cut it or you still find that some of these uh, these products might be irritating because Mm. category two is a little bit more complex and then definitely reach for vaseline and we definitely say it's a unique category on its own and we didn't put any like simple plant waxes here because you can also find tubs of just maybe shea butter and something else is Plant waxes tend to be a lot more complex, chemically speaking, than good old Vaseline. Mm. So that's why we really recommend this for someone who's really struggling with a good, simple occlusive. Totally. All right. And finally, we should talk about how to use occlusives. We're going to interview Gloria because she does more slugging than I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the first question that everybody wants to know is, should you slug? Mm-hmm. Should everyone slug? I actually, this is one where I feel like, no, not everyone needs to slug. Slug is definitely slugging or like the concept of applying a thin layer of occlusive over your face to like really, really sealing moisture. To me, is an as you need type of skincare treatment. And if you're oily or you even if you have normal skin, you're like, I think my skin is fine. Am I missing out by not slugging? 
you don't need to think good. about it that way. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's basically, and how often, oh, you didn't even ask me that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's my take on that. <laughs> and to follow up, Laura, um, how often do you recommend smoking? Again, this is a little unusual um, yeah. for our suggestions. We love to tell like, oh, consistency is key. Mm. Like, you need to do this like whatever, once a week or anything like that. But with slugging, I take actually just do it whenever you feel the need to. Yeah. It's especially good when you feel like skin is very compromised. Um, when you have that like, you know, you're out for too long in the city or something and you feel a whiplash, it's the winter winds or you are a little bit, you over exfoliated. Those are great times to slug if you're feeling really extra dry. Um, yeah. If you remember from meat part one, just get yourself to be that like really puffed up state. And that's it. You really don't need to be doing it every night. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in a pinch, the worst I've done, the most I've done is back to back two nights. And that was enough to kind of help me recover yeah. from a really tragically dry flight. Yeah. And that's it. And just listen to your skin here. I think that's so important because with many trends, it feels like it's a permanent place in your routine. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those where it feels like you're in a pinch moment. So um, that's a really good thing to highlight because I think a lot of people, because of the trends, are like, oh my God, I, I'm. We've had people that have told us they slug every night. And oh, we're like, that's what? impressive dedication to the art of slugging. It doesn't have to be like that. It really doesn't. And <laughs> I hope skin doesn't need that because I actually don't think that's a good thing long term. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you think about <laughs> this, is this is the, the conclusion is far fetched. So bear with me here. From the studies, occlusion is supposed to swell skin and give that instant, like, really, like, punch up the hydration level. But if you end up occluding skin, given that, like, saran wrap effect every day every day every day it really doesn't need it you know tool is natural it does happen yes. you're just trying to take it back down to a more baseline level yes. you're not trying to stop tool yes. so. also give more credit to your skin's ability to adapt yes. and heal as well yes. so yeah for sure i think that's that's great anyways all right so that is the end of our occlusive episode was it helpful <laughs> tell us please does it make you like occlusives more we hope because they can be very helpful yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let us know. Um, let us know what, you, what else you want us to talk about. <laughs> so, I feel that the soul leave yeah, my yeah, body. Yeah. Of like, may this be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you have any burning skincare, if you have any skincare, if you have any burning skincare questions, you can write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com. Check out our website, chemistconfessions.com. Also sign up for the hatchery if you are someone who has more irritation prone, you mm -hmm. got redness, maybe have a congestion scenario. Also, if you have feelings about our blank slate cleanser, we would love for you to sign up. Good or hatchery. bad. Good or bad. And then you can also DM us um, on Instagram at chemist.confessions or simply have your questions in the comments below. Otherwise, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. -bye.